everybody, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the podcast that is delivered to your front door via a subspace portal. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And today, we are talking about the Netflix anime series Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Directed by Abel Gungora and written by Brian Lee O'Malley, the eight-episode series premiered in November 2023. It is based off of the Scott Pilgrim graphic novel series, also written by O'Malley, which ran from 2004 to 2010, and consisted of six volumes. The story follows an alternate storyline of the comics, in which Scott Pilgrim disappears after fighting his love interest Ramona Flowers' first evil ex, Matthew Patel. Ramona then sets off to find out what happened to Scott, retracing her past through her evil exes in order to find out who was responsible for his disappearance. The series was met with critical acclaim, having a 96% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, with critics praising the story's new direction and faithfulness to the spirit of its predecessors. And, as always, there will be spoilers. Alright, so... I remember hearing about this... Scott Pilgrim series just through trailers on uh, on YouTube. I think I saw a couple pop up, and I was thinking, "Huh, interesting." They're redoing Scott Pilgrim, but they're making it an anime. And my background with the Scott Pilgrim series is that I've never read the comics, or I've read a couple. I think I've read like. A couple pages of the first volume, so I know the style, but I have watched the movie quite a number of times. I think I've watched maybe four or five times um, in total, just because I remember it being a hit in uh, late middle school, early high school for us. I remember, in fact, watching a Scott Pilgrim uh movie having having a Scott Pilgrim movie watching with I think you Michael at one of our mutual friends house um so yeah I know I was familiar with the the style of the movie and and what to expect when I was in engaging with another Scott Pilgrim um work and so I went into this anime thinking, okay, they're just going to reanimate the entire Scott Pilgrim movie, put on some sick visuals, and uh, go from there. Uh, and I do remember hearing, like, s- something on the internet saying that, oh, this one's a little bit different, or this one is different than the other movies. I'm like, okay, sure, we're, we're going to maybe change up a few things. I did not expect it to deviate uh, right after the first episode. Uh, I... I feel like it was almost like my first watching of Invincible, where in the first episode you're like, okay, yeah, it's a it's a kind of bog standard uh, retelling of the story. For Invincible, it was a retelling of the superhero genre stories that we know uh, so often now. And for Scott Pilgrim, it was like, okay, uh, almost one-to-one uh, retelling of the first maybe... 20 minutes of the Scott Pilgrim movie. And then at the very end, like the last minute where it is shown that Scott has presumably exploded into coins and has been killed, uh, I had the same reaction as I did at the end of Invincible, where I was like, oh, oh, okay. Because up until that point, I was kind of not paying too much attention because I already knew the story. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is going on. Well, let's get through it. But after that first episode, I think my my attention was hooked onto what happened. And I have to say, I think that this series addresses a lot of I I'd say may, maybe problematic's not the best word for it, but some of the more uh, some of the topics that may have not aged very well from the movie, parts that we may have glossed over or not really taken a closer look at, um, is taken a closer look at in this series. More specifically, Ramona and the exes. I think this 
the series did an excellent job of focusing on them and kind of really bringing their characters to the forefront. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later because I really do think it is one of the more important aspects of this retelling. Um, But I'll leave it at that for now. But suffice to say, I had a really great time watching this movie. I think this uh, this series was specifically made for people who had watched the movies and had watched the comics or had grown up watching uh, or reading those those things. Uh, and I guess we'll talk a little bit about whether or not it's successful for those who are new to the franchise. Uh, but yeah, I really liked this. I think it tickled um, exactly what I liked about Scott Pilgrim while bringing us a very new story. Uh, but what about the rest of y'all? What are your first impressions and experiences with this series? Yeah, so... Uh, like you said, I had watched the original Scott Pilgrim vs. the World movie a lot. <laughs> I want to say at least a dozen times. Um, not even because it's like my favorite movie of all time, but just because I feel like it was always very just easy to put on um, to have, like have friends over and stuff like that. My brother and I both yeah. really like this movie. <clears throat> and like, I think that going into this show... Uh, it was a very interesting experience for me because I was, quote-unquote, spoiled as to the twist of this show before I watched it. I knew that. It was like, oh, I know like the first episode is going to be the same, then it's going to de- deviate or something. Um, and honestly, I think this is the first time where I wish I didn't know because I do feel like the impact would have been a lot more strong on me um, just because I had watched the movie so often. Um, that being said, I think that the show is is very good and if, like, you know, this material of the Scott Pilgrim-verse, perhaps, um, is, like, you know, uh, was born in the original um, graphic novel, and then kind of, like, I feel like the movie, it, the substance of the movie isn't even necessarily the content of the graphic novel. It kind of just skims the surface as to, like, the characters and the locations and the events but, like, the graphic novel intentionally goes very much deeper into it. I'm saying this as someone who hasn't read the graphic novel. This is just stuff that I've heard. But I think that if the movie takes this kind of service view of what the content of this universe is, this show, as you said, twists it and kind of examines it with a deeper lens to a certain extent. Um, from looking at some stuff online, it doesn't go through like some of the more intricate things that the graphic novel does when it comes to like um, people like knives and the, and the others kind of side characters, but the show does a good job at least of giving them kind of quote unquote more to do and a little bit more depth than the movie itself, especially as you said, also Alex um, Ramona, obviously, and as well as the other exes. Like I, I love, well, I'll get to this later, but a lot of my favorite moments of this show were just learning and, being with the evil exes mm-hmm. in this show because in the original movie each ex basically has like 10 max 15 minutes of screen time um and so with this one yeah even even so maybe even maybe even less than that um and so uh i think that the show does a really good job and i really enjoyed it um i don't even know if i really have any negatives um but maybe i'll think on some later on but overall i think this is very good yeah, I mean, similarly to Michael, I was also from the internet spoiled on like what the twist was, although not, uh, uh, I'm actually re- having trouble remembering exactly what it says you were spoiled on, but, uh, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't uh, know going in that the first episode would be like exactly the movie and then it would, it would diverge from there. I just knew like Scott Pilgrim dies at the end of the first episode and then it becomes a show about Ramona. And I, I want to touch back on what, you said, Alex, about, uh, you know, how it's not quite problematic, but like how this addresses some of, you know, the the common kind of complaints about the writing of the the film, because it, it really actually genuinely does. And there's a lot of big things. I mean, the treatment of the evil exes, right, the delving into their particular histories and their backstories and their motivations and treating them as more than, you know, these kinds of caricaturized obstacles, but like as actual real people with trajectories and desires and 
you know, I mean, like, fuck it. Like, pretty much they all they all go through redemption arcs uh, in one way or another. I mean, I guess some of them are less arky than others, but... Uh, you know, they all they all have growth as characters in a way that they didn't in the movie. In the movie, they were obstacles. They were narrative devices. Um, but for me, a, a, a huge thing that, you know, feels like is getting agency now that didn't in the original movie is Ramona herself. Because in so many ways, Ramona Flowers is, you know, is she, she's more an object of desire for Scott than she is her own person. She doesn't have a whole lot of agency in the original film she's like yeah i want to date you you're cool you gotta fight all my evil exes first and then she just kind of sticks around while scott does all this fighting the with the evil exes and everything like it, it doesn't feel like she does a whole lot for her own goals wants desires she's just there for to be a thing for scott to fight for and i love that in this series not only is she the one who is now fighting for scott Right. So it's this this inverse showing that, you know, yes, she cares about this as much as Scott does. And that I also think it's amazing that she is the one who is prompting all of this uh, reconnection with her exes. Right. I mean, it's granted like she's going to all of them and checking them off the list of suspects for the purposes of finding Scott. But it doesn't mean that any of the the reconnection and the you know in some cases apologies in some cases asserting of boundaries in some cases like just being friends now even if they're not dating like she is the one who's making it happen and it's like doing justice to to her as well as to all of them so i really 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 love the take on this not to mention it's just funny and I think it really lends that authenticity to the whole experience that they got all the original cast back. That is an incredible feat. Uh, yeah, like how many years off. has it been since the movie? Uh, it's been ten, uh, 13 years. Yep. 13 years later, 13. the fact that they got like essentially the entire speaking cast back to do the voice acting for this. No notes. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't think I watched the original movie as many times as y'all did i maybe watched it like twice um and i enjoyed it quite a bit uh i thought it was i thought it was a lot funnier i think than a lot of other people did when it first came out i thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was funny. funny it had yeah. all the video game references the the fucking vegan shit like literally the, floor <laughs> yeah. the first time i watched it i don't understand why that was so funny because it, it's definitely toned down a bit in this in this uh animated series but um yeah i was drawn to it because we got the whole cast back. It felt like it felt like it felt like a project that everybody who was involved with in was really excited to be involved in, which I think is always just a really good sign when it comes to uh, television. And you know, like Netflix can definitely be hit or miss, so it's good that we have something that like everybody came back and was like, "We want to make this. We want to make it, you know, as authentic and as as it was remembered when we first came out with the movie all those years ago." So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thankfully was not spoiled and. I think the the first episode does a really good job at drawing you into, you know, being comfortable with thinking, oh, okay, this will just be an animated retelling of the movie, and then it isn't. Um, And um, I think a lot of what you said, Iris, is is absolutely correct. We shift our focus onto Ramona. We get to see more of the exes and who they are as people, not just as enemies to Scott. And we also get to see Ramona reflect on how she was you know honestly not the great that great of a, of a partner to a lot of these people and like this is her chance to rectify those mistakes and uh tie up loose ends and in some cases let bygones be bygones so i think that was really nice to see uh, and then you get this uh this wibbly wobbly timey wimey shit uh at the very end which uh i think we'll, we'll i mean we'll definitely talk about the ending i think the ending is actually in, to me i think the ending is a little weaker than the rest of the series and We'll go over as to, you know, why that may or may not be correct. But um, I do think that uh, we we get an ending that's uh, certainly up to the standard, I think, of what Scott Pilgrim brings, which is a lot of video game references, a lot of, you know, out of, you know, crazy, out of, uh, you know, physics defying fight scenes and a lot of um, what I think is to be excellent artwork. Just, you know, even though it's in an animated media, you can definitely see the graphic novel uh, influence come in there uh, and I think the animators did a really good job of translating pretty much you know nailing pretty much all of the individual images of each character like how knives has is the only one with those like beady eyes and stuff 
Um, you know, they translate that over from the comics pretty much one to one. Uh, and then they put uh, a lot of fresh spin on it uh, with the animation, which I think is really cool. So, yeah, I, I like uh, like everyone else, I don't really have anything bad to say about this series. Um, and again, I guess, you know, if we think really hard, we could probably nitpick a couple of things. But this was a really enjoyable watch. And uh, I, I, for one, I'm glad that they came together and made this. I think, you know, nobody needed this, but I think it's something we all wanted once we figured out that it was being made. And I appreciate that you mentioned, you know, that uh, Ramona has a chance to treat all these people better because that was always something that kind of struck me about the original movie is like, as much as it is, you know, Scott and Ramona are our, our hero figures and, you know, the whole point is their like love story and, you know, we are supposed to want to root for them. Like, granted, everyone else in the movie is kind of awful too, but like they're, they act pretty awfully at certain points. I mean, the way Ramona has treated a lot of her exes, like especially the twins and um, Roxy, uh, the whole, th- like Scott's whole thing with knives is like a whole bucket of yikes. Uh, which, you know, my memories of the movie are a little fuzzy, but I don't know that that really gets resolved in any kind of satisfying way. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah, so... It's like a tiny bit at the end, basically. It, it, yeah, like, not in a way... Like, I mean, in this series, Scott just straight out comes out and says, oh, yeah, you know, I kind of... Like, we probably shouldn't have been dating in the first place. That's on me. Like, a 23-year-old dating a high schooler is, like, not... It's, it's bad. It's wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. And... At that point, she's had a chance to, like, grieve and then move on from his supposed death. And, like, she's like, okay, yeah, cool. I'm going to go back to making music now. And, you know, actually gets any kind of, you know, character beyond just, like, idolizing the ground that Scott walks on. So, like, I'm glad that, you know, it's a redemption for our two main characters as much as it is for all the evil exes. Yeah, and I I will mention, uh, to clarify a point that you were asking about Iris, um, we don't really get... So, like, the backstory that we get from the exes here, we probably see, like, about 1% of that in the movie. Um, Case in point, the twins. Um, That whole thing about um, her playing them off on each other, we don't see that at all in the movie. That's, like, not even mentioned. Uh, and so whether or not that's something in the comics, I can't speak on. But the fact that the movie does delve into a backstory that wasn't highlighted in the movie really does work wonders on, um, on like you said, making them into characters and less, uh, less into obstacles like the movie did. All right, but why don't we talk about our favorite moments and favorite characters? And Marcus... You brought this show to us, so why don't you get to go first? I feel like I have uh, I have a lot of good choices that I can make for a favorite character. I'm going to choose Wallace because <laughs> yeah. Wallace is, uh, you know, Wallace had maybe like two or three individual like cool moments in the movie where you're like, ah, yeah, that's funny. It's like a roommate thing. But in this mo- in this series, he gets so much more screen time and so much more importance, and he runs away with it uh, to a degree that I don't think any other character does. Like the way the way the Todd and the and the Wallace romance that goes on in the movie, uh, <laughs> the movie sequence is probably the funniest shit uh, of this entire series, and I think it was really well done. Um, and I think that like. There's uh, there's also something to be said about older Wallace when they go to the future and it's old Scott and, and old Wallace and like he's still like the cool like the cool roommate essentially um, who you know just does things because he wants to do things and Scott just kind of tags along um, and uh, I think that he is just um, yeah he just has like everything that was funny about him in the original movie is like magnified by ten in this series and it's great. Um, as for favorite moment, um, I think that the the overall like it, it feels cheap to say that the entirety of the like screenplay into movie like sequence because that that spans over like what two or three episodes. Um, I think it's cheap to say that that entire thing is my favorite moment, but I think that the way that the entire way that that thing is set up and then as the you know as the plot goes on, how the individual characters interact with it feels just so funny, like. This, this guy, who's the roommate of the, you know, the sex bomb, uh, what is it? Roommate of the bassist. Young Neil. Um, yeah, young, young Neil. Neil. 
The old young no Scott um, Benitez, it's the roommate of the guitarist. Yeah, 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 the roommate of the guitarist. Like he just he he for some reason he wants to write a screenplay, so he tries to, and he can't because he's not a fucking screenwriter. And then he wakes up, and there's a screenplay on his on his desk, and he's like. I'm cool enough that I can just take this tiny old studio and they'll make a fucking movie out of it. And then he does. Somebody fucking picks it up and they make a movie about it. <laughs> they get fucking Lucas Lee um, to, to star in it for some reason. And then Ramona ends up playing her own stunt double for Envy Adams who is playing Ramona. Like, I think that the entire thing was just hilarious from start to finish. And the fact that, that Wallace plays himself, when yeah, they Wallace. all just think that he's a method actor. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's just like, and that, you know, that of course leads into whole, you know, Ramona's um, investigation into Lucas Lee, which I think that the Lucas versus the paparazzi is probably, that that actually probably qualifies as my favorite <sighs> scene, just because I think that fight is, is really, really cool and really, really Whatever. fun. <laughs> um. And, uh, yeah, but the, the entire sequence is, just, like, even when the young Neil is on the fucking, like, uh, like golf cart and they're, they're doing, like, the, the, he's, he's, like, driving through the set on the golf cart. It's just, like, all of that is just so funny. So, that's probably what I would choose. All right. I will go next. Uh, mine's kind of a, a double together. Um, uh, my favorite character in this show is Lucas Lee. Uh, just because I think hey, he's absolutely hilarious. Swear to God. And once again, thank God that Chris Evans came back to voice him because he's so good. <laughs> um, I, I, I watch the bloopers for Scott Pilgrim versus the world sometimes, and he has some bloopers in it, and you could tell he's just having the time of his life. <laughs> and this is, you know, this is before Captain America. So, like, I... It's, is this even before like Human Torch when he was like? That's a good so. question. I think that was no, either... No, that was like early 2000s, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um... But anyway, uh, it's it's he's so fun, and I I like I I feel like he just has an awesome time playing this character, um, and basically everything you said, Mark, is about um, episode four with um, Lucas uh, playing Scott and then uh, fighting the paparazzi. It's just so good, um, but it leads me to my favorite scene, uh, which is in the beginning of episode six. Which uh, his whole scene with Gideon, or I should, should I say Gordon? Um, oh yeah, of yeah, yeah. him and Gordon. Oh, damn it, dude! That you <laughs> like, like, man, I've just been absolutely like. Anyway, there's a pretty, good, pretty big hits, so it's, I'm not surprised. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, the the scene is my favorite just because, as I said earlier, it really gives just a a new kind of lens to these characters of literally just Lucas and and gordon like learning how to be friends and having a good time um and i also love the twist of how it had happened in all in 90 minutes while uh julie and ramona were out um and i actually really like the entirety of episode six just because like it's kind of the culmination of like okay we've gone through like the the uh the the checklist of trying to figure out who actually uh, did the thing and then the whole sequence leading up to uh oh god scott is actually here now um it's just really cool and i, I think that um the the gideon sorry gordon lucas scene really just shows like yeah this show can be like it's different like we're showing these two characters that like like gideon slash gordon is like a, is like a terrible person and for the most part he is like he's still a terrible person and it, it's weird that they kind of like force like they make us have sympathy for him because i'm like i feel bad for the guy um but like hey, dude's just villain coded you know exactly What's he gonna do yeah um, it's not his fault he's just written that way <laughs> exactly um but like you know it made me have sympathy for him and it's just a really cool scene of them like having a good time which is a uh, it's really fun all right well uh since all of my everything has been taken already uh i'm gonna do a, a quick pivot here uh I'm uh, you know what I will just say that my favorite character is Ramona because we are too afraid of uh, main picking characters. the main character as our favorite <laughs> Not character enough, on this maybe. show um, I mean I've already said quite a bit about Ramona and about the sort of I guess redemption that she's given from the movie but I don't know she's cool as fuck that's like kind of the point of the movie in the first place kind of the point of all of this but I love that we get to sit with that and just root for our main character and be like yeah 
the 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 avatar of this story is like a a, a dope ass person that's really neat and it's not you know like separated from the point of view perspective of the narrative the way that like the movie is she's just a lot of fun to watch i love her sort of like nonchalant whatever you know I'll, you know sure i'll do it fuck it i'll be a stunt double for myself you know what the hell i'll uh fight all these people like why not it's, it's this for this divine scott um and i think you know the the there's so much added to the narrative by getting to see her history and her inner monologue and uh, the, the the stories of how she met all these different exes. So that's my piece. As far as favorite scene, this already got touched on, but the whole fucking sequence with um, Todd and Wallace's romance start to finish top fucking tier the way the direct you know like wallace just kind of finesses the director into you know getting todd to kiss him how todd like one kiss he's totally like fucking smitten the whole the the whole sequence i have to make a a single scene it'll be the whole sequence of anytime todd says anything wallace is just like you want to run lines in your trailer and it just cuts back to their trailer every single time and they're just fucking like that that's what they're doing uh and including the way that Todd, like, loses his shit when Wallace is like, yeah, this is just a fling, man. Like, we're not actually, you know, this is not going to go anywhere. Like, damn. Tells him, you know, it's like, comes right, welcome to my trailer. This is where Todd and I made out for the first time. This is where we had sex with the first time. Like, <laughs> out of nowhere. Like, the literal last thing I was expecting. And just so fucking funny. Oh, damn. I was about to say Ramona is my favorite character, but. Uh... I mean, please, please do, honestly. I mean, I will talk a little bit about the. I I, I do love the changes that um, Ramona has in this in this uh, series because, like you said, Iris, she she goes from being like put on how should I say this? like put on a pedestal almost like becoming literally something that Scott is striving for to being a a character and being human. Um. With the inclusion of her backstory and her the uh, the interactions that she has with her exes, and uh, I love I always love the scenes where she is ch- changing the dye for her hair. Um, I said that this was a a magical girl transformation. Iris denies. <laughs> I disagreed. Well, because here's the thing, right? In the entire history of this show, your rules, Alex, your rules have been very consistent. It has got to be the same scene in which a character changes from one form to another uh-huh. that is repeated for the purpose of padding for time. Uh-huh. I agree that it is the same scene. I agree that she is changing it from one form to another. Right. I disagree that it is for the purpose of padding for time. I, like... I, I am being a stickler about the function here, but I don't think it counts as a magical girl transformation for I think that it reason. does objectively kind of pad for the first couple of minutes. But here's the thing. It's a Netflix show, right? This was never meant to air live. There's no need to pad for time, right? There's no specific runtime that they need to hit. It is runtime agnostic. Also, I... So the, I, the purpose of the scene is to add, like, emotional kind of context. It's to add a vibe to each episode, it's it grounds the story in this repeated r- ritual. It's not to pad for time, and that makes it distinct from a magical girl transformation. I also agree with that because the the fact that she does it every morning is like part of her character, um, and also more often than not, people comment on it saying like "love your hair." Um, so it's not like it's a. So does that make sense? It like it feels yeah, like it's in yeah. universe it, rather it, than it, being it's, this. It's, it's diegetic, yeah, exactly. Right? In the way that most magical girl scenes mm. are not. Yes. Like they just kind of happen, and they you know they keeps going. Like that is fair. That is I remember, fun. I remember. You know, we uh, <laughs> like, and this is. I mean, I guess I've already convinced you, so I don't need to go on with this example. So We've we outpedantried you. <laughs> uh, I, I concede. I concede this one time. It's uh, your rules, my guy. <laughs> no, you're. Thank you're. You're good on holding me to my ruling. Otherwise, what would I be? I'd just be throwing my words out to the. To I mean, the it, yeah, no. I mean, anything could be a magical world transformation, and <laughs> we can't have that. Uh, but in in lieu of talking about uh, Ramona, I will say the character that had literally the most. Uh, change i think 
from the movie to the series is, of course, Matthew Patel. Uh, because we only see him for, like, five minutes in the original movie, where he he is revealed to have mystical powers. Um, he summons his cheerleading demon girl squad, and then he gets defeated. I think they're basketball players. It's a cheerleading squad. I remember from. But, the but they're also they're also basketball players. At least in this iteration, they are. Very well, um, but watching him like become an actual character and take over Gideon's uh, entire co- corporation from him in like a hand to hand combat was cool to see. I was like, man, he he actually is a formidable fighter. And I still can't believe he beat Gideon uh, in the end, but it it convinced me. Um, but yeah, Matthew Patel. Also, the fact that he <laughs> he's a a theater kid at heart that still wanted to run his own musical, which is an adaptation of the screenplay, which itself is the literal screenplay of the movie. Um, was just ridiculous to me. <laughs> the fact that he like. I, I love how all the exes get a sort of, if not happy ending, at least some closure at the end of this this movie. Um, and they're all on like good terms uh, with each other at the end. Even even with Ramona, like when they're uh, when Scott and Ramona kiss at the end, they give them all an applause. But yeah, all the exes were handled so so very well. Um, and I think for my favorite scene, I will mention the. Um, Ramona versus um, what's her name? Roxy. Um, Roxy, yes. That was my second favorite. Yeah, yeah. No, that was real good. Uh, as fight scenes go, anime fight scenes, that was probably one of the best fight scenes I've seen uh, from anime this year, just because of the style of it. Um, the fact that they're fighting in a video store and they're literally jumping from, uh video genre to video genre it reminded me almost of everything everywhere all at once the yeah. when they're, they're like oh, jumping that's, that's from universes point. yeah and they even have the scene where um um jamie lee curtis is like jumping down the stairwell but it's roxy this time <laughs> yeah. um well yeah no that was really well done and the fact that they hash out their issues with each other in the fight um, accentuates like the emotion of that fight even more. But yeah, that one is definitely my favorite scene. Going to be rewatching that probably as soon as we're done talking about this podcast. Um, you know, in my, in my mind, I kind of shied away from picking that because I was like, man, I don't want to just like play into my stereotype of just always picking like the lesbian content. But then I thought about it, and I just picked like the 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 gay, the gay content. content instead. So like, <laughs> I, I haven't really, I haven't really done much to like diverge from the, the, the stereotype. <laughs> Listen, it's hard. The show's very gay. It's awesome. The, it's and, uh, and the gay it's content not the, is top tier too. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, it's not the gayest thing I've ever seen, but like, but what gay content there is is very, very good. You're right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about um, this movie's existence within the uh, the franchise of Scott Pilgrim? Because, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I really feel like this series was made for people who have watched Scott Pilgrim uh, and who have at least watched the movie before. Uh, And we've talked about how at least three of us remember the movie relatively well. Iris, I would like to hear your opinions on this as somebody who didn't really remember the movie. I I, I remember, like, because, like, it's been a, you know... I vaguely remember parts. I think the parts I knew the most or remember the most are like the fights with the exes themselves. And it was all the non-ex fight stuff that sort of escaped me. Especially, you know, the the beginning section of the movie that mirrored episode one of the series. That that part was really outside my memory. Yeah. And so I guess my question is like, what... Yeah, do you think this movie is better, uh, better experienced as somebody who has who is familiar with the previous Scott Pilgrim um, franchises or if watching it as someone who's relatively new is uh, is fine as well 
Uh, in shorts, yes. Um, while I agree that potentially someone could watch this on its own and be like, that was good. Um, I think that so much of it's not like value, but it's uh, a, a lot of the things that this show does well is either in reference or in contrast with the movie specifically. Um, I don't know a lot about the original graphic novels. From what I've read online, some stuff in the graphic novels kind it like does poke itself out. Um, namely the stuff with Scott uh, and the stuff like the the uh, older Scott and even older Scott. <laughs> That's their names, right? Um, like apparently that is a little bit more fleshed out in the graphic novel. Um, but for all sets of purposes, like this this show is basically it's not the graphic novel and it's not the movie, but it is in reference to the movie. Um, so much of the show is like the reason that the show exists and the reason that the plot goes um, down the path that it does is to address the things in the movie that they didn't address or they just skimmed over. Um, obviously, what we're talking about, all the stuff with Ramona, basically. Um, but also, there's just so many references to the original, uh, not the original, to the movie, like literally the fact that the screenplay is basically the movie and my head and this is my head canon actually my head canon because okay right we need to untangle the timey wimey stuff because <laughs> old ramona sent the screenplay back into the past right so this is ramona's version of what happened and if we assume that the screenplay is the screenplay to the movie then we can assume that older scott is like quote unquote canonically connected to the actual in movie Scott Pilgrim, right? Oh, hold so, on, hold on. And Michael, so my Michael. head cannon. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, no. Um, I'm just connecting it right now because old Scott is 37 years old, right? Yes. And Something Scott like Pilgrim that. in the yes, that's correct because it jumped 13 23. years. That's exactly right. It did jump 13 years, right? Okay, so I'm not yeah. crazy. Um. So that's right. You're, yes. you're correct. It, what, what is that? Is that not textual? No, no. no. I, I, I was is, unsure is, is, if this was actual text, but yes, we were confirming. That, that it was how text. I interpreted it. That's I how I interpreted it as well. And I just, uh, we're just confirming that that is real. Um, yeah. Because I think to right, because because that was the whole thing, right? I mean, you even remarked, Alex, that the screenplay is the text of the movie, and then we learned that the screenplay is the memoirs of old young Neil in future Scott's time. I thought it was like literally explicitly in the text, like it, it, like like explicitly what is supposed to have happened that old Scott and even older Scott are the timeline of the movie. I'm clarifying yeah, it for the, the audience because I do think that this is not necessarily something that a lot of people picked up on because from my reading online, I don't think a lot of people actually find that connection, but it is there. And I think you're, we are presenting it as text and therefore we will go through it. It um, is canon in my book. Right. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't even think there's an argument. I think it just literally is. Right. I'm just saying to just to sway this, maybe you have a different opinion. Anyway. No, that's um, fair, that's fair. So uh, what that means is the reason that, uh, what am I, what, I completely lost my train of thought. Right. So older Scott's existence literally is a result, is a continuation of the movie Scott and old Ramona as well. Like, they are the same people. Um, and so, to understand, kind of, at least to me, what they went through and the reason why it didn't work out for them, not necessarily the reason, is just because is it is integral that the movie be a part of that story. Um, and again, this is kind of, this is actually, this part is my headcanon. Um, like, for me, the universe in which the movie exists that continues on into Old Scott and Old Ramona. The reason that that didn't work out is because the movie skimmed on the issues, if that makes any sense. Mm. Like, because the movie didn't go into as deep detail oh. reconciling the actual issues that Ramona and Scott have, that's why they ended up like that. And therefore, this is a response to that in the same way that the show is a response to the movie. That's my actual oh. headcanon. I buy that's kinda, it. That's kind of like mind blowing, honestly. <laughs> I buy I it. Like that a lot. That's, that's better as fuck. So, dang. Okay. We should uh, we should write into Brian Lee O'Malley saying like, "Is this canon?" Well, I mean, he he also <laughs> Brian Lee O'Malley wrote this show. So yeah, like, no, right. So I again, this is my head canon. I find a lot of evidence for it. Um, 
So I with that in mind, it. with that in mind, I think that because that is the case, I think that having a good understanding of what the movie did in contrast to this show is important. As well as the fact of catching all the references. Like, did anyone catch the bread makes you fat reference? That was yes. so funny yes. to me. So yes. good. Um, and there's a few other fat. things that I'm trying to remember. But. And bread, bread ain't all that. Bread ain't all that. Bread makes you fat. All right. I think that's my I'll, I'll, I'll also say that, like, when you think about it in the sense of, like, you know, of course, all of us, we watch the movie first and then we watch the show, you know, however many years later. If you try and go about it where you decide to watch the show first and then you're like, oh, I'm interested in these characters. I'm interested in the story. I want to watch the movie. You're going to watch a movie. You're going to watch the movie. You're, you're going you're gonna to kind of like retroactively look back on the show and be like, oh, the show was like explaining why the events of the movie could have just been like avoided or, or something along those lines. Right. Like you, you, you watch Ramona in the movie and you're like. Ramona basically is just there to look like concerned every time an X comes out and then Scott beats the X and then, you know, they move on to the next one. Like Ramona's character doesn't really have much of a purpose aside from being the quote unquote prize. The object of desire. Um, yeah. That's yeah, what I'm saying. For, like she's a, she, she acts more as a narrative device than as a character with, you know, her own, uh, motivation. Right, so you're going to watch the show and you're going to be like, wow, Ramona's a really cool character. I want to watch the movie and see what she looks like in the movie. And then you watch the movie you're like, wow, this character's not a character in the movie. <laughs> like, you, you, the, the movie, I think, has to come first because uh, the show addresses, as Michael said, a lot of what happens in the movie and, and even comments upon certain things that, you know, decisions that the movie made or, in, you know, in the case of Michael's headcanon, like, the the movie shortcomings are addressed like directly and purposefully by the director of the show. I just thought of a really stupid thing. This show is a sequel to Scott Pilgrim vs. the World in the same way that the uh the the new Star Trek films are technically a sequel God to the it, old man. Star Trek films. Oh. <laughs> just coming out here with the banger takes. Oh, oh my god. Man. It's a new year and Michael just has ammunition out the wazoo. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I, I think you would be doing yourself a disservice if you tried to watch the show without watching the movie first. And it's more be than just the, you know, the references and the enjoyment of understanding what's going on. It is because in many ways it feels like the show takes, the show, you know, addresses the movie and says, you know, this movie was good, but it wasn't perfect. And that's not only because of the characters in the movie, but also because maybe the movie itself wasn't you know, structured in such a way where we could have told the story we wanted to. Here's the here's a story that maybe is not the same story as the graphic novels say or whatever, but is a story we want to tell uh, for the purpose of making things better for the entirety of the IP, I guess. Yeah, in many ways, this this is a response to the movie. And I don't know that it's necessarily saying the movie is bad, right? Or I don't think it's necessarily like saying that, it, you know, it's not passing like a value judgment, but it is proposing an alternative. And in many ways, an alternative that at least all of us in this podcast, I, it sounds like are agreeing are preferable in, in many ways, you know? So it's for that reason, I think it's hard to watch this without having seen the movie. Granted, even me who like, you know, I'm not even sure if I necessarily saw it all the way through. Like, I'm, I think maybe I saw, like, half of it, you know. But I know a lot about it through cultural osmosis is the thing. Like, that movie is famous and, you know, pretty well-baked into the, you know, the culture of the parts of society that I frequent, a.k.a. the internet. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think I had enough to appreciate it even not remembering the movie very well, I wonder might I have appreciated it more if I did remember the movie quite well. Yeah. And for the record, you know, it's making me want to watch the movie again. So, you know, yeah, something to be said for it. And I think that ultimately it comes down to the fact that like, I think that the movie and this show are like trying to do two different things. Like, I don't think that the movie, the, the movie is like a masterpiece or anything. It's not like, a, you know, it's not like, it's not, I don't cry at the end. Um, but like, <laughs> it's just, very entertaining and it's like it's 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 a good film in that sense like there's it's not very deep it's just a lot of it is really entertaining it's really funny i think um the the cinematography of edgar wright is like like he's at his peak at this point so so much of his stuff comes through um and also like all of the 
sort of it's not even references but it's like the 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 millennial humor that is in there with like the video game stuff i mean it's it's all video game stuff um as well as the comic stuff is just like uh really it speaks to our generation or or maybe a little bit younger than us apparently and i read this on the wikipedia but like some original reviews of the movie were like if you are above the age of 25, this movie will be incredibly cringe to you or something like that. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess I, I understand that. Um, as opposed to the show, which is, it's it's not trying to do what the movie did, which is be very entertaining and funny. It's trying to do like, it's trying to tell the story and, and develop these characters. So, Like the narrative and the characters are the primary focus rather than tools for the sake of humor. Yeah. Is, 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 is that like accurate to what you're saying? Yep. Yeah, and I I do agree that this is, in many ways, an iterative work on what has come before it. Uh, so if you're if you're listening to us this far into uh, the podcast episode and haven't watched uh, the first movie, uh, well, welcome. Thank you. For yeah, being and if here. you if you uh, haven't watched any of these things, the movie or the TV show, then you've already gotten spoiled on the whole damn thing. Uh, so surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you did know the title of this podcast episode when you listened to it so if anything... alex did you say the words there will be spoilers at the start oh shoot i don't wait, think wait, you did i think no 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 you did because you said that there was a good release oh wait no it's written here yeah i have you my always spoil. say it. You, you always do because i remember well, that's it. okay that's what i'm saying like i know he always does but i didn't remember him saying it this time yeah no because i was looking out because this is the first time that you did well not the first time but you you didn't say like how much it costed and how much it took uh, how much it released because it's not a movie obviously so i was yeah. like oh okay i was like i missed that and then you said the thing and we're good we're good <laughs> okay well game. if he yeah. did say it then sorry hypothetical listener who is this far into the episode but if you skip to right now you're in trouble yeah <laughs> <laughs> y'all don't have to worry the script that i wrote for myself and i handed it to all of you for every podcast episode that we record it's it's right there yeah. just flip to page three and by by oh, wrote the scripts for the entire episode and handed it to all of us you really mean yourself because actually none of the three of us exist and it's just you doing different voices alex is a poopy head oh sorry i was just reading that in the script <laughs> my bad all right yeah, well it does say it According to my next uh, line right here in the script, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the, uh, I guess, I, usually I have a section for villains, plural, but there really is only one main villain in this uh, show, which is, of course, Old Scott and a later version of even older Scott. Which, by the way, the fact that they're, like, 36 and 47, and they're already, like, graying. <laughs> they look like a, a monk who's been in the mountains for, like, 50 years. We'll never I mean, not we don't know. We don't know that that's age related. It could possibly be because he stayed in one room and did nothing but train that's for 10 true. years. That made him prematurely <laughs> gray. Yeah, I mean, Wallace, is, his, his hair is graying. And, you know, oh, that's, that's true. But he... Also, he his, aged very gracefully, his, whereas his, his Scott... His works just, at Nintendo, so, I mean... <laughs> yeah, Nintendo. Um, but, yeah, what were your thoughts on um, the, I guess, the time travel twist and the fact of old Scott, the uh, what we've now determined is uh, the canon movie Scott, um, having these issues with um remote issues that we learn later is just like a single falling out but still relationships which is issues. so fucking in character they have yeah, one yeah. fight and he loses his mind for like 15 years <laughs> yeah uh but the fact that they these relationship issues are even introduced in the first place um god i keep talking about anime and manga but it feels like a natural evolution of this sort of like rom-com genre where we don't stop at the initial asking each other out, but we get a chance to explore like further into the relationship. This doesn't really happen in this, uh, this film or this series, but the fact that it's mentioned at all is again, something that isn't really seen, um, in many rom-coms, uh, that weren't produced in the past five years or so. Um, but the fact that Old Scott is the one who has orchestrated all of this, and of course is the final boss at the very end, what were your thoughts about that? Did you feel like he was a 
good antagonist for this series? Um, was there anything that you maybe wanted a little bit more from him? I thought he was all right. Um, I do agree with you, Marcus, that the ending of this series does fall off a little bit now that we're like past the character development of Ramona confronting her exes um, and the emotional storytelling with that. But I do think um, the humor is still there. And I do think it ended with a re- on a relatively solid note. Um, but yeah, what did you all think? Um, so yeah, I think that ultimately it is the right choice to have old Scott slash even older Scott as the orchestrator and the main villain makes sense. Like all, like I think I think his motivation makes sense. Um, I think that my qualms, qualms, my issues with the ending weren't even necessarily the fact that old Scott is the villain. Um, for me, like it's kind of the lead up in episode eight, just like, uh, pacing wise, maybe, um, maybe part of it is the fact that we didn't get uh, more time with old Scott. Although I, I feel like honestly, Oh, I, okay. I'm going to immediately contradict myself. I actually think that we got, I got enough time with old Scott, maybe not necessarily even older Scott, albeit, Maybe to explain his stuff doesn't even need that much time. Um, for me, what didn't make sense was the whole anti-kissing field. Um, okay, I I might have. Oh wait, no. Say your piece, and then I might have a little bit of uh, addition to that. Well, I mean, like I like I I understand in universe why slash how that happened. Like he put something in his drink and the weird nanites were like oh you can't get near to this one person it felt to me that it was like it felt i don't know it felt like a contrivance to orchestrate a final battle as opposed to like okay basically basically this is what i want happened right obviously we get the end scene of them at the musical everything blows shit up and then they're like okay we gotta fight yes the it took some steps to get to that point and i'm like the whole part of like then we're like, oh, I guess we actually just gotta fight all the X's now. I like the subversion where he goes to like you and me versus fight, and then none of them actually want to fight him. I love that part. That part was really funny. Um, but like, it kind of just felt like at the uh, this was at the end of, of episode seven, right? Of being like, oh, we can't kiss now. Okay, I guess we gotta go fight him anyway. And I was like, okay, but it worked out in episode eight at least. Um, so like again, this weird anti-kissing field thing. I'm I'm not really sure if I was getting that through my head at least. But then you can say your piece. Uh, I mean, my piece was I I agree with what you said. Like it is a little bit of a contrivance. I think that they combined a necessary contrivance for like the ending of this um this series with. A an anime reference because the anti-kissing field, aka the AK field, is an Evangelion reference. Oh, is it actually? It is. Okay. Well. It's absolutely an Evangelion reference. And yeah. if we ever talk about Evangelion, you'll know what an AT field is. Okay. Okay. It pays to be a fucking weeb, huh? <laughs> it <laughs> does. So. I will say that. If it is a contrivance that there's this anti-kissing field to force them to go deal with old Scott, by the same token, you could say that the way that present-day Scott gets back to the presence is, like, kind of, maybe not a contrivance, but narratively unsatisfying, right? I mean, in the arc of the story, like, I would not have wanted them to leave it as, you know, Scott gets himself back and then they can kiss and then it's fine, because, like... That completely obviates everything that, uh... Ramona did the entire show the whole point was that she was doing all this stuff to find out who kidnapped Scott and get him back and if he's just like oh no I was just hanging on the future for a second I'm back now let's kiss and go back to the beginning like that's really narratively unsatisfying uh I don't think like for that reason right I didn't really have that much of a problem with the AK fields you know it made sense to me right um the thing that kind of threw me was the whole like Ramona and even older Ramona fuse and become this, you know, yes. super Ramona. I actually agree with that being. as well. I agree with that like, as well. Like, that, that to me was the big thing. It's like, where is this coming from? Like, I get that, you know, I'm at, Ramona's got some, like, weird, unexplained, like, astral plane dream 
power thing going on. Uh, which, I don't know, maybe that was explained better in the movie. Uh, she uses it to a decent amount in the series, especially, like, with her, you know, hammer space uh, bag of holding going on. Uh, but the, the, the whole the whole thing is, like, yeah, they've got some weird astral thing going on, but this suddenly they're going to combine and just be, the, like, quite almost literally a deus ex machina. Be like, yes, you don't need to fight. He's gone astray, but I can fix him right like and then he's just like okay the fight's over the field's fixed you can go back and live your lives now like i it doesn't i liked the choice to have scott be the final villain right because it feels like you know movie scott kind of is that sort of scummy and like the world weirdly revolves around him and he never really has to like think about or take responsibility for his actions it makes sense to me that he would get bitter and refuse defeat and you know go fucking around in other people's lives like he has any right to do it but the way they resolved any of it didn't feel like you know he got a redemption or a redemption i guess it's not even an arc he got a redemption without even having to grapple or come to terms with any of the things he did or like make any change he just kind of got told no you're done now sit down it's okay i'm gonna still be your wife we'll talk about this later and then it's like okay bye and then just left yeah, I think that I I actually now that you bring it up, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not really sure about the whole sun goddess thing. Um, I don't even know what that actually is. Um, I think that like in the in the in the reaches of my mind, I think that the part of the reason why I was more okay with that than necessarily the AK field was yes, it like it kind of was just like okay, Scott, you can go away. We're gonna deal with this later. Um, it like. It kind of, in a metaphorical sense... Oh god, we're going to get in the weeds now. Um, it literally brought the Ramonas together. Like, like she was able to like accept herself kind of thing going on. And through the power that of... That is fair. And like, that, is, that is like the big, Yeah, I think. like through the power of self-love yeah, kind of deal. The, the whole thing with that was that like... Oh, because it mirrors Ramonas. the movie in yeah, that way. I think, oh. yeah, kind of, yeah. Both Ramonas are supposed to, like, recognize that, like, they do kind of have, like, a habit of just walking out of relationships in a kind of shitty yeah. way. And that the fact that they both realize that at the same time, they're like, oh, we're the same person. And then they become Yeah, the again, person. I think I that know. it's weird. Like, for me, like, the movie, I feel like, did a better job of that with the whole... Because it did the fake out of the first the time the sword spot. is love, and then it breaks. And then the second time the sword is... Um, what is it? self-determination self-respect self-respect right um like i actually really like that part of the film and i think that as you said it's, it's like kind of mirroring that where it's like they've finally learned how to be okay with themselves so they merge together into a supernatural <laughs> being and i was like all right that's where you lost me a little bit Astral form. <laughs> yeah exactly i mean you, at that point it feels kind of just more like scott pilgrim you know graphic novel kind of shit where they just like do something and it's like oh yes that that happens mm-hmm. but I you know the 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 whole merging thing I I think it makes it makes enough sense for me that I can like understand why they did it even if I'm not super happy with the way that it just kind of appears on screen as it does. I think for me the and this is kind of the thing that I wanted to talk about when I first brought it up earlier was that like it honestly feels kind of like they take the the sins of old Scott and pin them on even older Scott as a way to make even older Scott the main villain, quote-unquote. Which, objectively, I can say that sentence, I'm like, that makes sense, because they're the same person, except even older Scott is 15 years older, and therefore more crazy. But at the same time, it's like, we did get a, you know enough time with old Scott to see, like, his life's kind of lame, and, like, you know, obviously he, he's not completely over for Ramona. But you don't, ever, you don't really ever get a sense that, like, anybody really wants to improve the situation that old Scott has found himself in. You just you get old Scott. He's like, I am old Scott. This is how my life goes. I still live with Wallace and I still have feelings for Ramona. And then when you think about like, okay, well, they're going to try and like make sure that what they do is they fix current Scott so that old Scott doesn't end up the way he does, but they don't do that. Instead, they're like, okay, old Scott, or, or okay, current Scott, you now have to fight even older Scott, which is what happens to old Scott if you just let him continue going on his current path without addressing that, like, they could have maybe changed something about 
preventing him from going on his current path, I guess. That's a very weird way of explaining, explaining that. <laughs> but, like, I do think it, it feels a little weird that, like, for old Scott to be the catalyst of this all, right? He's the one who pulls him out of the portal and, you know, and has the events of the show happen. It does kind of feel like the, the, the rest of the characters kind of ignore old Scott and focus primarily on even older Scott because, you know, he's trying to kill them. And then once they relinquish even older Scott, they're like, oh, okay, old Scott's probably good now. We're, we're good. Well, I mean, it's kind of funky because the way they treat time travel. But I think old Scott and even older Scott are the same character in a way that young Scott and the older Scots are not. Right? Because we're talking, we were saying like old Scott is the movie Scott, right? He's a, the version who just fights all the evil exes and defeats them all real quick. And then he gets together with Ramona and doesn't like really have to address any of the shitty things he's done. Like he learns to like himself. He doesn't learn to hold himself accountable, you know, in the in the film. And, you know, even older Scott, like, so there's old Scott who is the film Scott and has a rough patch with Ramona. And then even older Scott, right? Like he talks about remembering being old Scott. And doing the whole time travel thing and putting in the force field and learning that that didn't actually change anything and then deciding, okay, my next plan is going to be to train myself to defeat all of you in combat, right? And he never, all the things that are happening to young Scott, getting kidnapped, Ramona being the one to try to save him, the reconciling with all the exes, none of that happened to old Scott. So I would say there's really kind of two different versions of Scott. And the second version, the older version is one we see at two different points in his life story. But I don't think that, like, Old Scott and even Older Scott are, like, two separate antagonists that both need to be addressed. They're one antagonist. And when the conclusion, you know, addresses him, then that's that's it. They don't need to go back to Old Scott because he becomes even Older Scott. Versus our Scott, young Scott, is never going to become this version of Old Scott because his timeline has been so drastically altered by this different version of events in which Ramona is having to save him and he got kidnapped and all the exes have been reconciled with, so on and so forth. At least we hope. <laughs> At oh, least wait. we hope. But, like, the, the, the things that this Scott and this Ramona do by the end of the film, I mean, they have to reconcile and grapple with, like, a lot of their own shortcomings in ways that the movies don't. I mean, in as much as this series is a response to the movie, I would assume that the point is that this Scott and this are Scott and Ramona, the young Scott and Ramona in the series, do not become movie Scott and Ramona. Like, that's the whole crux of why the story is even being told, at least as I see it. And it does feel that way. It feels satisfying enough at the end to think that, like, this Scott and this Ramona are going to be better off now that they've seen their older, you know, their older versions and know what it is they need to be doing to avoid, uh, you know, falling down that path, I suppose. But you are right, Iris. They're, they're, that's a good point. Like, this, the younger Scott does not ever become older Scott because they are not technically the same Scott. So... And honestly, it might even be more accurate to refer to them as series Scott and movie and Scott, movie air Scott, quotes. Right. I mean, of yeah. course, like the old versions of movie Scott are only appearing in the series, but like that's where he comes from. Yeah, I think I, I, I am still a little bit shaky on like whether or not we can say both old Scott and even older Scott can be cons like I think they should be considered as two antagonists, quote unquote, for different reasons and should be addressed in different ways. But that's probably personal preference. Yeah, I think uh, I do think that that yeah, they are distinct enough that we can see them like stick on their own pathways until, of course, the next uh, Scott Pilgrim adaptation thirteen years from now is going to happen, <laughs> where they bring back and, Mega Scott. Yeah. In the next Scott Pilgrim adaptation, Scott himself will be the eighth evil X. <laughs> this time they'll have an army of completely vegan robots, but they're evil now. <laughs> okay, dude, honestly, the part where they got to like the vegan oh, robot, yeah. I was like, I was like, literally, I was like, no human could ever, I was like, are they going to talk about a vegan robot? Because <laughs> we already kind of had sussed out, like, no, that's not Scott's portal because a vegan portal is all like, you know, circular and liquidy and this portal was pixelated and square and hard edges and quarters and stuff. I was like, I, 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 I particularly was like, yeah, that's not a vegan portal. It's a different type of portal. That's going to be the crux of it. And they kept talking about it. Like, it's a vegan portal. It's a vegan portal. I was like, is it a vegan portal? So like, I literally had the moment of, are they going to talk about vegan robots? Two seconds before they said the phrase out loud, and I lost my fucking mind. Just to confirm, do, did they confirm that that portal was made by the future vegan robot? Am I crazy, or did they never actually yeah, fully well, say that? Well, it was that? it was created by 
uh, Scott piloting the robot. Okay, okay, uh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. But they did show they did show a scene where like the robot is in like the the rafters or right. whatever. No, yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. Sex yeah. Concert. Yeah, yeah so it was it was it was. I'll say it. I'll, I'll do the new paradigm. It was movie Scott yeah. who kidnapped series Scott, yeah. but then later it was series Scott piloting the robot. Wait, so then how was... did movie Scott get the portal? To be we presumably he was piloting the robot as well at an earlier time. In that and, time. and that was the whole thing where, like, the reason that they could do that is because he talked to the Katsunagi twins and they was able to like detach the yeah, robot's timeline. Okay, got it. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're bandmates and buddies, right. and he's like, "Hey, can you, okay. you know, send that me back in time?" And they're like, "Yeah, we'll do that with our robot." And then later, <laughs> Series Scott is like, "Hey, you made your robot do time stuff. Can I use it too?" And they're like, "Sure." It's it's such a in in character addressing of time travel of like the series of Scott Pilgrim's kind of like um, treatment of reality that I love it. I also think it's completely ridiculous, but somehow very fitting that in only 10 or 13 years, the entire future is like completely different. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I also love that to convincingly fake his own death, he had to throw, uh, uh, like 55 cents in coins out of the portal. (laughs) I mean, that makes sense to me. The coins in the casket was probably one of the funniest jokes. It was great. And you called that. You called that a good, yeah. like, like two minutes before we saw it. Uh, all right. Well, I think that'll do it for us, folks. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, this week's video that you can watch on YouTube is called Bread Makes You Fat by Pedro Miranda Filho. Uh, go check that out. It's an animated scene from the movie. Uh, next week, we will be watching Lilo and Stitch. So come and join us uh, for that next week. Uh, and please email us at bestseatpodcast at gmail.com if you have a show suggestion or just want to tell us about your own favorite moments and characters. Thank you to Ben from the Real Beast Podcast for intro and outro theme. And once again, thank you so much for listening. And you will hear from us next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.